Hallelujah. You all really have me speechless. And that's a mess because you all expect me to preach. And the whole time I was trying not to cry, I'm like, I can't be the woman pastor up there crying through the sermon. You all have really messed me up today. But thank you so much for the love. And I would have, could have never imagined uh, this day. And thank you all so much. I can't stay here long because one is late, but two, I refuse to cry this day. But turning your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. And I'll read in your hearing verses 23 through 31. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, you who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you've anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you this day. We honor you this day. Lord, we worship you and we exalt you, we extol you, and we acknowledge your presence in this place. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would open up our eyes that we may see. Lord, we ask that you would open up our ears that we may hear and understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would move mightily in this place, and we praise you in advance for your mighty workings. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. When we find Peter and John, they have just been released from prison. They were trying to do the right thing, but got done wrong. They were just trying to go to prayer meeting. And as they were going to prayer meeting, a man asked them for some money. And, and Peter said, I don't get paid until Friday. I don't have any Benjamins, but I do have a blessing. And so what I do have, I give to you today in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now that man immediately was healed and he went into church and tore that prayer meeting up. 
they were through. He was jumping and leaping and dancing and bouncing. He was tearing the church up. And the people knew that it was the same man who used to ask them all the time for money. They knew that this man had experienced the miraculous power of the great God Almighty. So folk began to get excited and began to worship the Lord with him. People wanted to know what was going on. And Peter took the microphone and said, what you are looking at is an exposition of resurrection power. He said, what you are looking at is, is some bounce back power. When you all walked in, you saw him down. You saw him out. But Jesus of Nazareth got a hold to him. And now he is bouncing all around the place. Resurrection power. And then Peter began to get bold and talk about this Jesus, the originator originator of life, the prince of life, you killed, he said, but still he rose again with all power in his hand, and he began to let them know you can have that same resurrection power, you can have that same bounce back power, though you were down, you don't have to be out. And the Bible says that the priests and the Sadducees and the rulers of the temple got upset because there were many who did not believe in bounce back. There were many, the Bible says, at the very beginning of the chapter, it says they didn't believe, they were greatly disturbed, verse 2, that they taught the people and preached Jesus, preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they were upset that they were in church preaching about the resurrection. And so the Bible says they laid hands on them and put them in custody. They tried to figure out what they would do with these men who were causing such a ruckus. They wanted to know what should they do. They were having trouble figuring it out. One reason, because this man stood as such a miracle. Uh, nobody could argue with his testimony. They could argue with doctrines and they could argue with interpretations, but nobody could argue with the man's testimony. And so they had a problem on their hands. The other thing that they really wanted these two men gone. They had made sure that they got rid of Jesus. And these were some of his closest disciples. They wanted to seize the opportunity to take them out. They wanted to know, how can we do it? And, and, and I know that if it was left up to them, they would have done it. They had so much political clout that they, they, they could uh, tear up the judicial system and mess with the law. Even when Pilate says, I find no fault in him. He announced publicly that Jesus was innocent of all crime, but yet and still some kind of way they did their workings and Jesus was crucified. These are the kind of people we are messing with today. And so Peter and John knew that something was up. But the Bible says 
that they couldn't do anything to them, verse 21, because of the people. Because the people glorified God. You all didn't hear me. There was such an atmosphere of praise and worship. They were so busy glorifying God that the plot and the plan of the enemy was held at bay. That, that should have got somebody excited. I told you that if they wanted to, they could pull some strings and do some stuff, and the enemy wanted to. But the praise kept them at bay. The praise arrested the plans of the enemy. Oh, that should help somebody. That should help somebody. Sometimes when we are gone, you know, I'll preach that next week. Say by praise. I'll pre I can come back and do that one next week. So I'm not even going to stay there long. But, but I just know that, that every thought and every cognition, every consideration was canceled. The Bible says they couldn't figure out. How many know that praise will confuse the enemy? He said they couldn't even figure out what to do with them because the people were so caught up in glorifying God. So the only thing they could do was let them off with a warning. The Bible says they severely threatened them. They got up in their faces and said, if you ever, then I'm gone. What do you do with a threat? when they see it and could pull it off. What do you do with a threat? See, the Bible talks about how Peter and John were so courageous, and the Bible shares their words, but it doesn't share their heart rate. Doesn't share the fact that as they were speaking, their hearts were beating out of their chest. It doesn't share the fact that sweat was coming on their brow. It doesn't share the fact that their muscles could have been twitching as they were talking. And so when they got released, they went to their company. Threats often happen during good times. Threats often rear their ugly heads during celebration and victory. Uh, threats often come when everybody is excited. You all remember Elijah, don't you? He, had a, he was used mightily by God on Mount Carmel and, and rained down fire from heaven. But the next day, a threat came. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. A threat came. After a mighty move of God, right in the midst of victory, here comes a threat. As many were flocking to hear John the Baptist, they arrested him and put him in prison. In the move of God, here comes a threat. I think of Martin Luther King, who often lived his life in the face of many threats. And he says there was one night in particular, very early in his ministry, 
that he will never, ever forget. He said that he was, it was around midnight. He said strange things happen at midnight. And somebody called his house and told them that if he did not get out of town in the next three days, they were going to blow his brains out and blow up his house. He said he sat there and thought. Because, see, things were going good. They were doing the bus boycott, and, 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 and the powers that be were taking notice. Things were going good. It appeared there had been victory. He just had a baby girl. He was enjoying his new wife, and he began to think, what if I'm taken from them? What if they are taken from me? See, in those times of victory, the enemy tries to come in like a flood, and he begins to whisper threats in our ears. When John the Baptist experienced that, he, he sent somebody to ask Jesus, for real, are, are you the one, or shall we look for another? When it was Elijah, we find him right after this great victory, suicidal. And now we have Martin Luther King. He said he was so weak. He said he wanted to call his daddy, but he couldn't. He wanted to call his mama, but he couldn't. But he learned that he had to call on the one his daddy said would make a way out of no way. He said that he sat over that cup of coffee and he began to cry out to God, Lord, I'm weak. Lord, I want to give up. Lord, I can't do this. In those times of victory, many times threats arrive. How do you do it? Do I go forward? Martin wanted to know. John wanted to know, how do we go forward? Elijah wanted to know, I don't want to go forward. Do you go forward? Do you stop? They decided, the apostles, that they would go forward on their knees. They decided that they would go forward on their knees. They understood that, yes, they were able to stand up to those leaders by the power of God, but if they were going to keep that thing up, then they needed to be sustained by the supernatural. They needed God to do something miraculous in their lives. And so they rose to the occasion by falling on their knees. They rose to meet the threats by fighting from prayer. And we read the prayer. Three things I'm going to point out about the prayer, and I'm going to sit down. The first thing, the prayer was scripture-based. They prayed the word of God. Right there, we, we're reading the words of Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and, and why do they imagine or plot a vain thing? They prayed the word of God. They fell to their knees and then they grabbed their sword like what? They began with the word of 
God. The apostles saw the ministry of the word and prayer as linked. In Acts chapter 6, when stuff was going on and they had conflict, he said, okay, let's pray, brethren and sisterin. Let's get this thing together because we have to give ourselves to the prayer, not just prayer, to the prayer and the ministry of the word. They saw them linked. Jesus said, abide in me and my word in you, and whatever you ask, you shall have. If the word abides in you, your prayers will prevail. So first thing, that the prayer was scripture-centered. And in our situations, the enemy's going to come whispering stuff in your ears. He's going to be trying to threaten you with this and threaten you with that. If you don't work on Saturday, they're going to get you. You ain't going to have no job. Your kid's going to be on the street. Threats in your head. Say, if you don't do this, they're going to evict you. They're going to foreclose on your house. You better take that money. He begins giving you threats. If you don't do this or if you don't tell that man, he going to run over you for the rest of your life. So you better knock him out. That ain't nothing but the devil. Whispering threats. What if I never get married? What if I never find somebody? What if, what if threats? And in our situation, when the enemy is whispering threats, we have got to whisper, yeah, even shout the word. They began to pray the word of God. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He who began a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There is therefore no condemnation to him who is in Christ Jesus. Say, enemy, I'm not going to listen to you. Why? Because I've got the word. Number one, the, the prayer was scripture-centered. They prayed the word. Number two, the prayer was God-centered. They prayed the way of God. I'm going to be honest. I had, I, I had a little problem with the prayer, and I pray that God helps me to be able to pray like this one day. But see, as they prayed, they saw their situations not from their own perspective, but from God's perspective. So when people were coming against them, they realized, oh, you know what? That ain't nothing but Psalm 2. Look at the kings trying to come together and the rulers and the people. Look at them plotting vain things. And then they realized that God was sovereign, that this situation did not catch God by surprise. It might have caught them by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. God knew about this for at least a thousand years, so I'm sure he has a plan. So they began to pray the way of God. Not once did you hear him say, get him, Lord. Not once did, did you hear him say, protect us, Lord, from the threats. Not once did you hear them say, Lord, help us not to be threatened anymore. They realized that God said that some of this has to come to pass. So they prayed 
God's way. Look at things from God's perspective. God set some stuff in motion that they did not necessarily like, but they realized that it came from the great God Almighty whose ways are higher than our ways and thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We are ill-equipped to evaluate the thoughts of God, so we just going to let it ride. So one, prayer was scripture-centered. They prayed the word of God. Two, prayer was God-centered. They prayed the way of God. And three, the prayer was kingdom-centered. They prayed the will of God. See, a lot of times we want to pray, thy will be changed. To this right here, Jesus, I know what I need. I name it and I claim it. I put it on my wall and framed it. So bring it to me, Jesus. A lot of times we pray, thy will be changed. But these people were praying a different prayer. They realized it wasn't about them. It wasn't about their comfort. It was about the kingdom. And so they began to pray. Lord, if you're going to touch Lord, if you're going to move on something, don't let it be my circumstance. I'm standing in need of a touching. Lord, instead of you trying to change that or you trying to change them, Lord, change me. Get me ready for your coming kingdom. Give me the boldness I need to do what you told me to do. Philip Brooks said, do not pray for easy lives, but rather pray to become better men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your strength, but rather pray for strength equal to your task. See, a lot of times we look in the arsenal and be like, I ain't got enough patience for this, Lord. You're going to have to get her. I don't have enough love for this, Lord. You're going to have to work on him. But they saw it differently. They saw, Lord, instead of the situation getting a change, let me get a Holy Ghost makeover. Let me get more patience. Let me get more love. Let me get more power. Help me to be able to walk in my destiny. If everybody else want to act up, let them do it. But give me the strength to step over the mess and keep moving in the way of Jesus Christ. Not once did they ask for anything for themselves. It was scripture-centered, God-centered, kingdom-centered. And I'll come back and preach the next sermon later. But if you read the next verses, it says how they shared everything in common and no one suffered any lack. You all didn't hear me. So when they had prayer meeting, nobody prayed about their mortgage. When they had prayer meeting, nobody was praying about their health. When they had prayer meeting, nobody was praying about their own thing. They were all focused on the kingdom. They said, Lord, I'm going to be about your business. And the Lord was about their business. And the Bible says that when they sought first the kingdom of God, all those other things were added to them. They suffered no lack. 
when we commit to going forward on our knees, you all saw what happened next, right? The Bible says that the place was shaken. When we commit to going forward on our knees, when we commit to being about the kingdom, we will see his kingdom come. And God will bless us abundantly. They began to pray so much so that the place was shaking. That excited me. At first, it confused me because, you know, I feel a, like a little teeny earthquake. You know, my husband be like, there was an earthquake. I'd be like, yo, it was 4.4. It woke me up. I feel a little shaking, and, 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 and it don't excite me real good. And so I'm like, Lord, why were you shaking? What were you trying to communicate to the people? Because if you did that around here, we might be a little afraid. But as you look at when God begins to shake stuff up, he, he does that to fill things. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, it says that he shook the heavens and the earth, and then he fills the temple with his glory. Uh, Jesus said that, that when, when, when God gets in it, it would be pressed down, shaken together, and running on, anybody ever got popcorn? And, and the people be like laying it all gently on top of each other. And you want to say, no, I shake that. Put that thing that, you know, you want to you wanna brown sugar anointed. I want it firmly packed. Push it down a little bit. And when God begins shaking things, it is because he wants to fill them. The Bible says that the place was shaken and then he filled them with the Holy Ghost. That should get somebody excited. Because God is doing something in us. And if we allow him, God will fill us with his Holy Spirit. You all do know that that's the greatest gift ever. No, you all do know that it don't get no better than that. I mean, what? I get to come back next week. I'm not even going to preach that sermon. What I will say is that, Imani, as we get prepared for the moving of the Holy Ghost, as we decide and commit and covenant that we are going to go forward but only on our knees, then God is going to do something miraculous in this place. God will shift this place. God will shift this community. God will move in Moreno Valley. God will do miraculous things. God will turn this world upside down. But before we start praying for them, before we start praying for, for, for folk to change and policies to change and situations to change, like the old folk used to say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the, not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need, not my car, not my home, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need, not my mortgage, not my loan, but it's me, oh Lord, 
standing in the need of prayer. God wants to do something miraculous in this place. God wants to shift this place. But first he wants to shift us. As I close, Martin Luther King said that as he was crying out to God, it happened just like this. It was like he heard God tell him, stand for righteousness, stand for holiness, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. When other threats came, he remembered that day. He remembered the day that he prayed for courage. He remembered the day that he prayed for strength. And he remembered the day that God answered. God is going to do something miraculous. But the only way for us to go forward is on our knees together. The earth didn't shake because Peter and John preached. The earth didn't shake when, when folk were healed. The earth didn't shake until everybody with their collective gifts and their collective anointing laid it all down and began to Seek the face of God. When they came together on one accord, then the earth shook. And that's what God is calling us to do today, to come together and seek his face. Wherever he says go, we'll go. Wherever he says do, we will do. We want our ears tuned to his lips so we hear his voice. We want our feet bound to his path so we stand straight and narrow way. We want our hearts bound to his testimonies so we do what he asks of us to do. And I am looking for people who are willing to say yes. You want to go forward on your knees. And whatever God asks of us, no matter whether it looks comfortable or not, if it's kingdom, if it's the way of God, if it's in the word, then it's what we're about. And God promises that he'll supply our needs, he'll take care of us, he'll lead us, he'll bless us, if we're about his business, he promises that he will be about ours. And so what I want to do is just have a prayer of dedication. I want us as a church to come together in one accord and say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. You want to be included in this prayer. I want you to get out of your seat and join us down front. There may be some people in the overflow if so, we want you to press in here too as we pray together. And there may be someone here who has not accepted Jesus the Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you want to experience that resurrection power. You want to experience that bounce back power. Power that though you may be down, you know you don't have to be out. 
God can make you over again. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to do so today, I want you to raise your hand wherever you are. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We invite you to raise your hand wherever you are. Let's press forward. Let's press forward. somebody make sure you're touching somebody heavenly father in the name of Jesus we bless you in this place oh God we seek your face as we are going to another level oh God as we are moving into a new chapter oh God we are coming to seek your face we've come to seek your will We've come to seek your way. We've come to seek your power. we come to seek your spirit. And in the name of Jesus, we ask, oh God, that you would fill each and every one of us, oh God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to go in our own power. We don't want to do our own thing, oh God. But we want to follow you wherever you would lead us, oh God. We know the plans that you have for us to give us a future and a hope. We know that you who began this good work, this great work in this great church, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, collectively, we commit ourselves to your purpose and your will. Lord, we pray that you would bind our hearts to one another and to you. Oh, God, we are excited about what you are going to do. That's why we give you all the praise. That's why we give you all the glory. As I said earlier, praise is our middle name. Oh God, we bless you in this place. We worship you in this place. And we receive this prayer as done with high praise. For we ask it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Somebody give God a praise in this place.